Hello and a very warm welcome to yet another Women's Rugby Pod. I'm Johnny Hammond. And I'm Rachel Burford. And we have a fabulous show ahead of you today. We have none other than Bill Beaumont coming on to the... I do apologise. Sir yes, Bill sir. Beaumont. Um, yeah, I feel bad actually. I didn't actually call him Sir Sir Bill on the, uh, on the internet. I know. I've emailed to apologise since. Um, I will doff my cap next time I see him. But yeah, Sir, Sir Bill Beaumont, Chairman of World Rugby, is on the pod. We've got Hannah Field after the historic Sale Sharks victory at the weekend. Their first ever in the Premier 15s. And we've got Delika Menin from Canada and Loughborough Lightning to talk to us about World Cup pool draw and what's going on up at the university side. How are you though, Berth? Feisty old affair at the weekend, but still still top of the log. Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Johnny. Yeah, pretty, um, yeah, as you say, feisty. Every kind of five or six minutes, you're turning around and there was another little little scuffle going on. Um, but no, all good. Um, good to get the win and a bonus point as well in the end. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get into the Premier 15s in more depth later. But let's get straight to the main man, the man in charge of World Rugby, the entire kit and caboodle. Real pleasure to have him on. Here's Sabil. Thanks so much for, for coming on. Uh, first and foremost, of course, how are you? Uh, everybody fit and well your end? All fit and well, thank you very much. And hope you are, uh, Rachel and... Uh... All your families and everybody all, all fit and well. Yes, we're, we're we're all well, thank you. Just about remaining sane, which I think is the, generally the goal for for twenty twenty. Uh, yeah, Rachel sent her apologies. Um, she can't be here today, being a, a pro athlete. She she's training at the moment, uh, so that's the the nature of the beast. So yes, uh, apologies. She she's not joining us today. Uh, people may think that uh, we we got you together off the back of a you know a big announcement today regarding the uh, twenty twenty five World Cup. Isn't the case? Um, Try to get get you on for a while, and yeah, absolutely delighted uh, that you're you, you've joined us today. Thank you so much. Just take us through what you've described as a, a landmark moment for the women's game uh, in that announcement today about the World Cup. Well, it, it's great news, great news for the women's game. That obviously uh, we're committed for uh, twenty one in, in New Zealand to twelve teams. That's been the original format, but you've got to expand the game globally. I think the skill what we have to do as organisers. Uh, in world rugby is to ensure that the four teams coming into the uh, into the tournament that we can invest in them so that they're not just there to make the numbers up into 16 but they will make a, a contribution to to the game and that the the standard will raise through all to all the teams that are participants so we have to expand the game and it's a great way to do it yeah, absolutely. I, I, you, you talk about that, that, that funding bill, and you know, whether it's men or, or women's rugby, um, that's obviously seen as a sort of first port of call for, for, for building things. But how, where exactly do, does that money go with those, which let, let's call them emerging nations? Well, it, it goes into their uh, uh, high-performance programme. It goes into their domestic programme. Everything is monitored that they, they submit uh, a, a grant uh, request, and then we look at it, and we and we look at uh, key countries that we think uh, could be potentially extremely good to the global game. And so it's not one sort of case fits all. It's that we look at the ball on, on an individual basis. But certainly, it is a. It just shows the vast sort of uh, expansion of, of women's and girls' rugby. It's enormous sort of. Over 28% of all uh, 
people playing rugby are girls and women, which is, uh, if you look back over the last 10, 15 years, and that has been amazing. Yeah, that's um, yeah a, a number that you and I both know is increasing virtually by, by the day. But is that what one of the one of the biggest challenges is? Is that so many? I mean, we, we we've been all over the world with the, with the pod here in Syria, Iran, all over the world, and. There's a young girl in, in, in Syria, Sarah Albaki, and uh, yeah, she's part of your Try, try and Stop Me campaign. But you know, she's being a referee, she's being a player, she's heading up the women's programme. Just to the sheer number, she feels she, she's kind of got to do everything. Is that, is, that, is that the biggest sort of challenge, is to harness the amount of girls and, and women coming into the game? Yeah, I think everybody wants to come in and, and play the game, don't they? They can't do the because uh, that, that's a great attraction of our game. I think he's actually playing it, but it's just as important that we have coaches and we have administrators in the game because unless you've got really good administration in your organisation, then eventually it will wither on the vine. So I think it's vitally important. It's a, a process that we not only recruit players, but when these players come into, whether it's into a, a club organisation, whether it's into a school or whether it's into a university, for instance, then we've got to ensure that sort of there's a proper coaching structure in there that they will benefit and improve. And from there, that you then need the administrators to organise leagues, to organise matches. So it, it, it's a, a long process. Of, uh, and that is something that unless you have the building blocks in, in place, that eventually, you know, people, they will lose interest in it. If we can just pull back one one World Cup to next year's exciting uh, event, if 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 the launch is anything to go by, then we are in for a very impressive, dare I say, swanky uh, uh, affair with with all the best people involved: um, Jacinda, uh, Dan Carter, and uh, Melissa, and uh, Dr. Farah Palmer, and what have you. What, what's New Zealand going to bring to to the World Cup game that that we possibly haven't seen before, Bill? Well, I just think that certainly the the last World Cups have been sort of extremely successful. I think if you look here in Ireland, for instance, it was a, a great success there. Who would have thought that on the, uh, uh, you would have had the, the game, the final shown live on terrestrial TV in the UK when, uh, when England lost out in that match. It's a great game, England, New Zealand. I think when you go to New Zealand, one thing about it is wall-to-wall rugby. And I think it will really sort of, I think it'll break all records from a uh, attendance point of view, I think there'll be a, a massive interest in it. And obviously, we're all hoping that sort of uh, subject to coronaviruses, subject to vaccines, subject to people being able to, uh, to, go, to go to New Zealand, then uh, thousands of people will, will throng to New Zealand, A, to appreciate the country, but also to really enjoy uh, the greatest uh, spectacle uh, of the 21 uh, rugby season. In terms of the draw, it couldn't have gone too much better, could it, for um, an organisation putting it together? Because we all like to see a derby and a pool game, and there are some fascinating ones in there. Well, there are indeed. I think certainly uh, England and England France, if that was anything to go by, that uh, it's interesting that England won quite uh, easily three three weeks ago, I think it was, in Grenoble. But then the draw was made, and then France uh, uh, just got picked in the, in the last, last kick of the game, Emily Scarrett kicking the goal. Uh, two weeks ago so I think they're great rivals uh, England and France then you've got the uh, the trans-Tasman you know uh, giants of uh, New Zealand and Australia as well so uh, yeah I think it's a great excitement and uh, you know there'll be a lot of lot lot of teams that will be uh, 
really relishing the opportunity of going to New Zealand for 21. Just a couple more, Bill, because I'm yeah, con- conscious of, of your time. You're, you're a busy man, and if you haven't got shares in Zoom by now, then possibly you you, you should have done over the last over the last year. Um, outside of uh, pushing pushing that that World Cup um, uh, amount of teams from, from 12 to, to 16, I, I know that the women's side of the game was, was hugely important to you in your manifesto and your or your re-election as chairman of uh, World Rugby. What else out, outside of that? Or, or does that, I mean, that's obviously the pinnacle, but what, what are the details on, uh, below that? Well, what we're trying to do is also, you've got to think that next year is also exciting because we've got Olympics as well. Of course. Yeah, we've got the Olympics that was postponed from this year to next year. So it's a, uh, a really sort of uh, condensed schedule for the women uh, the women game because there's not a huge gap between the end of the uh, the Olympic program and the start of the World Cup, and you've got lots of players in uh, in sevens who also play in the fifteens as well in the women's game. So uh, we're, we're very much aware of that. So that the, the profile of the women's game will be really high. But underneath that, we're looking at uh, bringing in a, uh, a sort of Nations Cup for women that that was on online uh, subject to. Uh, you know, the travel restrictions, things like that. So going forward, we're, we're very, very confident that we will get a global women's uh, tournament uh, to be played, hopefully in the uh, October, uh, November windows going, going forward in the future. So I think that that is really exciting for uh, for the women's game. Bill, what, what are the key things? I, I, I followed the women's game and broadcast it for, for quite a few years now. Um, I think exposure, that that exposure, especially here here in the UK, of having, you know, if you can, if you can see it, you can be it. That's the, that's the big phrase, isn't it? The buzz phrase that, that, that goes around. Is that broadcast side and, and that availability, we've seen, as you mentioned, the England-France games being on BBC Two and a lot of chatter around that. Is that one of the key issues? You know, New Zealand showing the, um, all of their... Um, Farah Palmer Cup games, you know, there's huge excitement down there. Is that one of the keys uh, around the world outside of New Zealand to, to get it out there, to get it exposed? It is. I think it's important that I think if you look, for instance, over the last couple of weeks, and I'm just talking UK and France, that the uh, England France game was shown on uh, on terrestrial TV. You know, and I would think that the uh, the audience that they got that would be amazing compared to what it. Uh, what they've had, had previously. So I think it's important that we profile the women's game, that people... I go to a, a women's game of rugby, going to watch a game of rugby because the standard is so good. And uh, I just think certainly, you know, people don't appreciate how good these players are. And I think that's the, the, good, the, the great thing about it is that the, sort of the, the game of rugby is expanding, whether it's... Men, boys, women, girls, we're all as important to each other. Yeah, preaching the converted here, it's, a, it's an outstanding uh, standard now, considering uh, most of them are, are still amateurs. What one last one, Bill, is moving forward, say four or five years from, from now, some the end of, end of your tenure, where do you see the women's game in terms of relation to the men's game? And you've just said it's for everyone, and of course we, we pride that in on our, on our sport of, of rugby. But how much influence is the women's game going to have on, on the game of rugby as a whole? I think it, it will have an enormous part to play in that sort of it will get more people into the game. And I think uh, the more people involved in the game, and certainly the, when you look at a lot of rugby clubs, uh, rely on women. You know, they do it, you know, that they, if, as 
one, especially what we have to do in rugby also, is uh, ensure that sort of, uh, you know, the mums and dads come down, that they enjoy the game. Everybody enjoys the game and feels part of a club and get, get sort of uh, that sort of, uh, that ethos, I think, that we, which, uh, which rugby has. But what I'd like to see is that sort of, at the moment, you've probably got four or five teams who are probably significantly better than, than the others. I'd like to think in five years' time that we've got another four or five teams, Johnny, that are as good as as good as the top teams at the moment. So you've got a real challenge. I think the the, the real interest in every game that you go to is that you, you go to the game not knowing who's going to win. And that's what we've got to do in the women's game. We've got to uh, bring, obviously, the better, the, the better teams at the moment want to keep on getting better. But we've got to make sure that those teams just underneath improved so that we, we have a real contest great stuff bill thank you so much for your time today really really appreciate you you spending um you know a busy busy time for for everyone but to yourself in particular for taking your time to, to come on the on the women's rugby pod we really really appreciate it okay all the best for everybody stay healthy and uh, have a happy christmas thank you very much and to you too birth uh so bill Beaumont, aren't you do feel bad it was uh, absolutely fabulous to to have him on um, and yeah thank you very much to to, to Susie Murray and World well Rugby for for getting that to get that over the line yeah really really good to, to speak to him it, clearly there's there's a great deal of, of passion there I wanted to ask him so much more and get into so much more in depth but you know it's uh, 10 minutes goes goes very very quickly on these uh, on these zoom calls but clearly a, a real real focus for him and a, and a real real passion in the women's game yeah, he very much is so very passionate about the women's game. I've been involved in working with um, alongside Bill with some World Rugby committees. And I remember, you know, a real statement of intent back in, I think it was 2015, about when we started a women's advisory board in both um, Sir Bill and, at the time, Vice Chairman um, Gus Pigeon. Both turned around and said, you know, we don't, we don't want to have this group in 10 years' time. We just want to have a group that's rugby. And we're talking, you know, not no needing to separate them. We need to get to that point. And very much so from there. And he's been trying to build that and work towards it. Nothing's perfect. Nothing's finished. No, there's always more to be done. But he's dev, definitely on the radar to, to keep pushing the game uh, and grow it in all corners of the world. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he was talking then, obviously, that news yesterday from, from World Rugby, which we've, we've got to... Uh, just reflect on, I would certainly want your, your views on it, of 2025 going back up, somebody very nauseously said on, on Twitter, uh, going back up to 16 teams rather than 12. Good move for you? Yeah, I think it's a really good move. It obviously grows aspirations globally for countries to be involved in the pinnacle of the sport, the World Cup. Um, I think 2025 will be the right time. I think still now it's not the right time to, to be able to bring in more teams as much as you would love to see it next year at the 2021 New Zealand World Cup. Um, yeah, I think it's hugely exciting. You know, you just look at what, where we are right now. We've got Scotland, Italy, Ireland all going for a place, all worthy, all good enough to be there, but can't all be there at the moment. So I think, you know, just growing that aspect, you know, you look in Asia as well and Oceania, there's so many great teams out there that just can't get into that 12, but then, you know, we'll have an opportunity now in 2025. And also, just reflecting on, on what Bill said, is, is it 
it almost forces the issue, doesn't it? It, it forces World Rugby and the powers that be and, and these various unions to say, "Come for you've got you've got four and a half years now, just over four and a half years, and uh, you, you've got to get to a certain point that you don't you don't want to get embarrassed because unions, players, you know, World Rugby don't want to get embarrassed by you know." 150 nils at World Cups, that, that doesn't do anybody any good. So it, it does kind of force the issue. And actually putting it out in public, you know, uh, eight months out from, from the World Cup before, I, I think it's, uh, it, it's a really, really good move. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, we have to, we have to be realistic that, you know, teams aren't going to be in a place where they're really competitive to say the top four. But you look at the the men's World Cup, you still have those big margins. But the, it's a great opportunity for for teams who are involved now to close those margins. But also for for teams that you know come knocking and are surprise people at World Cups, big big opportunity, big four years to be able to plan and prepare to invest and grow their game, you know, domestically and internationally um, around the globe. And I think it's just it's so exciting because I think if if you're outside of that top 12 I mean as a union you may look and go well look we're never going to get into 12 we're never going to get into that group of um, 12 teams being able to compete at the World Cup so we probably won't invest that much we probably won't push you know competitions we probably won't try whereas now they're going right we've got an opportunity now we need to really invest in our women's program so it just it kind of gives that whole full circle of teams who haven't had the opportunity and didn't ever feel that they would be able to get into that 12 now they do have that. World Cups aren't just about who, who lifts the trophy at the end, are they? Yeah, it's a it's about the Japan, South Africa's. It's about the the, the Uruguay wins. It's it's moments like that. So uh, yeah, no, really really good move. So yeah, some some great news on the international front with the with the World Cup, but there was some really good news closer to home here in England at the uh, Alliance Premier Fifteens with Sale Sharks women recording their first ever win in the league. Uh, we just thought we had to get some reaction to it. So we've got Hannah Field on the pod now. I'm Lisa Burgess and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. It is a very, very good morning to Sale Sharks. Hannah Field felt we just had to get some reaction after the weekend. First of all, Hannah, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Johnny. Uh, how are you? Thank you very much for having me on the show. Uh, don't, don't be silly. As I say, we just wanted to get some, some reaction from from that historic day. Uh, are you full of Christmas cheer? Because birth isn't. Oh, not again. <laughs> I am, yes. First of December, we're officially allowed to be festive, I think, this year. The year that we've had is an extra reason to be, to be thankful for the festive period. Here, here. Well, very well said. Um, anyway, Hannah, look, are we... An extraordinary day at the weekend. What a what a fabulous win it was. Your your first ever in the Alliance Premier Fifteens. Are you have you dropped down from cloud nine? Are you about six at the moment, or, or somewhere in between? Um, still still pretty high up there. Um, the celebrations were fantastic as a squad. Uh, I mean, you only need to look at the at the photos and and the footage that's kind of come out from after the game to realise, you know how much that meant for us as a, as a squad, as a team, as a club. Um, so, yeah, still feeling pretty good. But I'm sure once we get to training tonight, uh, we'll be back down on the ground and, and focusing on, on the next job ahead. Can you remember, Hannah, what was said after the game? Like, what were the coaches or maybe some of the leaders in the side said to the group? <sighs> to be honest, um, the coaches really left it to us. I think they, they realised that, with the culture that they've tried, been trying to create, it's around what 
we are as as a playing squad. And you know, Darren, our, our head coach, he did say. Let, let me know who you want to nominate this win to, and, and we decided as a group we wanted to nominate it to um, sort of to um, Katie Horton, one of our players. Her her partner had a had a little baby girl on Wednesday, so we wanted to you know really give give that win to, to her and her family. Um, but outside of that, you know, not much was said. It was you know guys celebrate this as a as a playing squad, and I think more messages will will come from the from the coaching team today at training well there's a great footage of a, a, a bit of a shing shong in the change room afterwards <laughs> who was uh who was leading that oh definitely laura perrin um pez our, our inside center 12 um she has a horrific taste in music but <laughs> um it did get it did get everyone singing along so uh, yeah it, it was good fun i thought he was gonna say she has a horrific voice then <laughs> well, that too. That too. <laughs> uh, yeah, we we um we don't have many vocalists on our team. We realised once like the music died out and we started to sing without it, quite how bad our voices voices are. So that's probably the reason the music had to be so loud, drown us all out. And obviously, Cell Sharks coming together, you know, in a, in an incredibly short period of time. And you know, I know Berth and I've discussed on on the pod before just just how impressive and competitive you've been and this win you feel uh, uh, from the outside has been coming what are the key things that, that Sale and, and Darren and what have you have got right to, to enable you to, to be quite so competitive and now get that first win yeah I think they've done a really great job of, of trying to balance that performance and, and development environment yeah, and also alongside that build such a, a great culture it's it's a hard time to build culture because we can't do anything outside of training, outside of game days as, as a squad, really, because of obviously with, with COVID. Um, so a lot of it comes down to really knowing that the coaches care about us. Ultimately, um, we we know that we're cared about as people foremost and, and players and, and athletes second. Um, we know that we're on a journey and we and we trust that process. It's we're, we're brand new and we don't expect the results straight away, but we do trust the road that we're on um, and that it's really is a, a three-year program for us um, and, we, and we believe in that and I think you can probably see that by the way we play and, and by the way we come we come out e- each week and even necessarily not getting the, the wins we want, we're picking good parts of the performances uh, and, and trying to focus on that, focus on us rather than the, the teams we're playing um, but really yeah, it comes down to just knowing that the the club believes in us the coaches believe in us and and we believe in each other and it sounds kind of cliche but we we like each other as <laughs> well you know we get along we get along as players it, it really does um you know we we get along and everything's dealt with really well anything that comes up it's not that we really had anything but it's dealt with straight away and 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 yeah we we enjoy each other's company and we you know we care we care about each other well, the, the the culture's uh, one side of it, and, and it sounds like you're in, you're in a in a fabulous place. What what did you get right exactly against Worcester on the park that got that W? Don't get me wrong; it wasn't the perfect performance. Uh, there were definitely big sections of that game that that could have gone better, but we were composed at the right times. I think I think um, some of the decisions that were made to to get points on the board and we could were the right decisions. Um, I think we we managed the clock quite well in the second half, especially when we put under pressure, but. As the story of our season has been, really, our defence has been outstanding. Um, 
to to nail a team like Worcester is is not an easy feat. Um, and just the heart and work rate we put into the you know for each other on the pitch and defence has been nothing short of outstanding. And this weekend, as you said just before we came on, it's Sharks against Sharks, DMP Durham Sharks against the against the Sale Women Sharks. What are you expecting from from your what your nearest and dearest? Is it? Uh, yeah, I know it's strange. I mean, I've played pretty much all of my rugby outside of Sale Sharks in London, so DMP away has always been the long journey. You know, it's a it's a day's it's a whole day out for us. So it's strange to think that DMP away is, you know, it's a two hour trip uh, for me, but it's, it's going to be a good one. It's going to, it's one that we'll have to come in focused. Um, one that we, we have to respect them as a team, as a club. I think it's easy to go into a game expecting the win and then not get the performance. On, and, you know, it's an easy way to not get the win. Ultimately, if you go in thinking you're going to get it. So um, we have to go in expecting a tough battle, expecting them to come out with, our game is a game they probably want to target, so we can't take anything for granted. We have to stick to our processes as usual, focus about us, not them, and and start, you know, continuing to build that that real performance and and maybe clinical edge which we haven't had so far this season. Just very very quickly, then uh, it's it's being streamlined <laughs> through through the RF, RFU, and I know Sale have been brilliant in, in streaming all of your games. Does that put a bit of extra pressure on to to kind of show what Sale, Sale Sharks is all about. Maybe I don't know. From an individual standpoint, I'll, I'll show up and, and I try not to think about too much about the crowd or or if it's being filmed or live streamed. But perhaps you know we've got some young players on our team, some fantastic talent coming through. That you know maybe that that plays part. But it, it's awesome, isn't it? That it's getting streamed, it's getting filmed, and the numbers that we're getting watching from the online streaming is it shows that women's rugby is a is, is a real viable product. Um, because we're getting the views. I think something like one of our first games uh, topped views of about 45,000 people watching. You know, if that doesn't say that there's a market for women's rugby, you know, I don't, of club rugby, I don't really know what will. I think it's incredible how, you know, we've had Katie on it before talking about the intent and the statement of the club. And they were the first club to announce that they're going to be streaming their live games. And I think that just shows, you know, what their intent is about supporting the women's program at, at the club not just token service not just that we've got a women's side now but actually we're throwing everything that we can into it yeah oh completely i mean i'm sure you've seen that video that went on twitter from outside the changing rooms of us all singing yeah so that was from um, michelle who's one of, one of the owners and she is was really the the reason behind us existing as, as a women's club um and she is so passionate about the women's program um yeah, and it just it just shows that the fact that they're streaming and how much they believe in us, and it just comes back to we know that they they support us and and we're wanted and and that um, you know there's a future for the for sales starts women. Great stuff, Hannah. We we know you've got to go and do a, a training session if you've not been sacked already. Um, thank you so much <laughs> for for your time no, this morning. Really, really all. appreciate it, and um, I look forward to seeing you uh, up at Darlington at the weekend. Likewise. See you then. Have a great day. Thanks, Congrats. I'm Lynn Cantwell, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Let's bring you up to date with all the rest of the news from around the world. Yeah, there's some uh, some shoots of rugby beginning to return around the globe for us all to see. Over the weekend in Montevideo, they hosted the 18th South American Sevens. 
And they were all there. Brazil, Costa Rica, Peru, Chile, Argentina, Paraguay, Uruguay and Colombia. Brazil, again this year, uh, were too strong for the rest, beating Paraguay in the final 34-7. It's their 17th title out of 18. It's all right, isn't it? Uh, Colombia picked up the bronze. The Japan Rugby Challenge took place over the weekend at the Komaganya Stadium in Saitama, just outside Tokyo. Fifteens and seven squads split into two and played against each other, all with an eye on selection for Tokyo 2021 and the Asia final qualifiers for the Rugby World Cup 2021. Over to Hong Kong and the KPMG Premiership. USRC Tigers maintained their winning ways to stay top with a 27-21 win over Guy Wu Falcons. DAC Kulan thrashed SCA Causeway Bay 37-0, while Society General Valley put 34 unanswered points on Nexix HKFC. And down in New Zealand, the Red Bull Ignite Sevens competition and draft day was up and running this weekend. So four teams were drafted and put together. Team Power, who the captains are Sarah Hirony and Kayla Blyde. Team Surge, Kelly Brazier and Portia Woodman. Team Bolt, Ruby Tui and Stacey Flula. And Team Inferno, Tyler, Nathan Warren and Gail Borton leading the charge on those. Pretty impressive um, tournament altogether, I think. Oh, I want to be on Stacey's team. <laughs> oh, now you do. You weren't back in there for the finals. No. You, she would have dropped you. You... <laughs> You won't even make the draft list for it. Jokes aside, what a brilliant way. The draft, Red Bull behind it. Um, incredibly marketable. Players getting behind it. They just just, just do it really well and do it right, don't they, down there? And they are revving themselves up for a home World Cup. I think there's absolutely no doubt about that whatsoever. Yeah, I think this is I think this is maybe the third year that the Red Bull Ignite has happened, but I think they just evolved every year and made it bigger and better. You know, the excitement of building like in a draft stay, like with the NFL, really clever idea. It's a great product for Red Bull to have so much exposure. Um, yeah, and just what a great opportunity. You know, everyone's desperate to be playing sevens over there. Obviously, the sevens girls have been doing a bit of 15. So I know that they're all pretty excited that they've got this up and, and running. And of course, as uh, most women's rugby is down in uh, in New Zealand, it's it's all life. It's all life down on, uh, on Sky Sports down in New Zealand. Chapeau to the land of the long white cloud yet again. Back to domestic matters and Alliance Premier 15s. Delika Menin, the uh, Canadian international and Loughborough Lightning player, has been tearing up trees in the league for the last few years. We wanted to get her take not only on those World Cup pool draws, but also the state of play up at Loughborough Lightning. I'm Jill Burns, and you're listening to the wonderful Women's Rugby Pod. Absolute pleasure to invite Delika Menin onto the pod, the Loughborough Lightning and Canadian international, Delika, good morning. Are you full of Christmas cheer? Oh, I am. I can feel it in the bones already. It's coming. Um, it's going to be a unique Christmas, but I'm excited for it anyways. Do you, do you like English Christmases? Um, I do. It's it's different. Less snow. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. There's a real I big do. pause there, wasn't um, it? Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I haven't been home for Christmas in the last couple of years, so... It, I always miss home a little bit and miss the snow, but I have wonderful friends who have invited me out to Christmas, and it has been a really, it's been wonderful every time, so I am excited for it. Christmas in the Air by Scouting for Girls. Honestly, if you haven't listened to it as a Christmas song, it's brilliant. 
There's my recommendation. I'll add it to the list. Honestly, this we could be a musical podcast as well. Anyway, we'll, 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 we'll cut the, the Christmas and music chat. Let's get on to some ruggers. Uh, Danica, um, you're involved obviously in the Canadian setup. We've obviously had the, the World Cup pool draws now. Canada seeded three. How do you see that pool? In with Asia 1, Europe 1, obviously we, we don't quite know who, who they're going to be. But obviously the, the team that we do know is in your pool is your nearest and dearest, USA. Give us your reaction to, to that pool draw. Um, it was... It is exciting. Obviously the World Cup is really exciting, but just how the pools ended up, you're like, these are the teams that we play the most. Like, we are the closest to the US, we play the US, and we'll probably end up playing them right before the World Cup. Like, even especially with COVID being a thing right now, like, we can't do as much traveling and such. So it's it's not the most exciting, like, from a competitive point of view, just who you see. Like, it's always fun to play new teams and stuff. But I think from, like, a, a media and, like, getting people excited, I think it's a good way, like, to have these little rivalries right at the beginning. I think that will um, hopefully help with just maybe viewing from a – like an international standpoint, like it's always a, it's always fun to see Canada and the U.S. Uh, play against each other. Just like it's fun to see England and France play against each other. They're they're fun uh, games to watch because there's so many people who are so dedicated to seeing who's going to come out on top. So from that point of view, I think it it is really exciting to be able to play them so early on. Um, from uh, getting to play different teams and like having a bit of change, maybe not so much, but. I mean, we'll definitely be prepared if we play them right before. So in that terms. <laughs> Obviously, you're, you're over here in the UK. Um, how, how, how have Canada and the squad stayed stay connected? Because I guess um, with the whole COVID situation, it, it, it's been tough. But how have you, make, you guys managed to sort of stay connected as a group? It has been tough. And I mean, we're quite used to not seeing each other very often. We are very spread out on a regular basis and we usually only get together for tours but this last summer especially we were supposed to get together quite a bit we were supposed to have quite a few games and it was supposed to be a really big building year so over the summer they in um to respect to like our coaches and such they really put an effort into like planning zoom meetings we did some team building stuff we had like culture meetings even defense and attack meetings we've had, even though we can't really um, do any physical stuff for it together, we've met and talked about it. Um, so we've stayed really connected there. And each coach has a bit of a, a little pool of athletes that they're sort of in charge of reaching out to and making sure are doing okay and stuff. So from that point of view, it's it's been different, but it also just it makes you feel cared about because they're reaching out as much as possible. Um, and they're still doing that. It's it's a little bit of a hard um, process with Canada. Each of our provinces have different COVID regulations. So we've got some girls that are now allowed to practice and do contact. Other girls are still just doing touch. And some girls, especially now that winter's come in, can't even practice outside. So they're not practicing together at all. They're just doing whatever they can in the gym. Um, and some of them are a little more isolated than others. So we're all trying to keep like everyone is, we're keeping touch through Zoom and um, having a lot of this fun uh, internet face-to-face time, but we're trying our best with keeping in touch and the coaches are doing a great job of it as well. That was going to be a question that I was going to ask you. We've obviously like, what, nine to ten months out now. What does next year's prep look like for the squad? Like how often 
it might be good for to let us know like where the program is semi-professional part-time fully not professional so you're coming in for camps and things like that so i think it's good to understand globally where teams are at at the moment yeah we're so we're not professional um well and none of the 15s obviously sevens is professional in their own right and we do have a few of those girls um built into our program and such but no the 15 girls are it's it's no longer a pay-to-play program, which it was um, just before I started. So just 2015 is when they were able to at least get rid of the pay-to-play model. Um, but no, we are all technically volunteers. We do it um, because we love it, uh, which is why we all do it. But um, no, we are spread out. And they do provide, so they try to provide us with trainers and such. But even that's a little bit hard because people want their trainers in the same area. You want, you sort of want to be able to see them and like, so we have small training groups throughout the country with just like more populated areas where there's just more girls. They're able to find a trainer who they can all visit or they're doing it via email or zoom or just getting in contact through there. But other than that, we are quite on our own. Like our training is individually and ran like we're the ones motivating ourselves and we're the ones who need to make sure we stay up to standard and then uh, like we're expected to do some testing before Christmas and while we're given programs or like you find a trainer that you're happy with that is on us to make sure we hit those standards there's not very many people making sure that I'm going to the, well here it's a little different but back home it'd be it's on me to get to the gym it's on me to make sure I'm keeping my standards up there and for most girls they try to find like we have um, the East Coast has quite a good program right now. Um, they have a little rugby Canada set up there. We have a rugby Canada set up in Quebec, Ontario, because that's quite a populated area. And then we have one on the West Coast with uh, Victoria, which is where the Sevens is set up. So they naturally have a, a Canada set up. But I'm from the middle. I'm from Alberta and we don't have any strong, we don't have enough numbers. Everyone's spread out. Like uh, rugby Alberta has tries to put on little camps here and there, but it's just not really possible to have a training group in that area. I, I've been to Alberta actually. It's my first tour for um, the Rugby World Cup. And so was that part of your decision then to come over to England? Was it to enhance your opportunity for rugby, knowing kind of where the game is here domestically? Yeah, it, definitely had an influence. I, um, the most, the biggest setup we have in Canada is probably our university setup, um, which I played in at the university of Calgary, but you only get five years. So we have a cap, you get five years to play and then you're not allowed to play university sports anymore. So I did my five years, I graduated. And then my coach, Simon, she, um, had contacts uh, with Reese here. And he asked me, he was like, do you want to play another few years of rugby doing it more like constant and um he approached me and Emily Totosi who's obviously here as well just with a different team now and we were both up for it and so yeah we sort of came out here I knew obviously I knew the rugby standard would be higher I didn't really know exactly what I was getting into but it definitely um being here has been like it is such a different setup and it's a really good it's been a really good experience seeing how um advanced it is over here from a just professional setting and just like how everything's so 
like you have so much support here versus like Candorward is a little bit more on your own. So no, it's definitely was an influence and it's definitely helped me as a player. If we move to the club game, you mentioned the Loughborough. Good, good start to the season. Um, but now having done a, a game a couple of weeks ago, Reese was very, very conscious. And actually it's something that, that Jared Mullen at Quinns has, has said to me as well, is that rather than trying to win every single game, it's that sort of focus to, to, to peak come, come the end of the season. And, and Reese is saying that, yeah, that there's, a, there's a great deal more to, to come from Loughborough. Give, give us your assessment of the first, first few rounds and obviously a uh, you know, good win against DMP at the weekend. Um, no, it's been... It's been a different season with COVID and stuff, but um, for Lightning, we have been on a slow build. Um, and that is what Reese is after. He is definitely, each game is meant to be an improvement, meant to be, we're not expected to be where we were at the end of last season. Um, and so far it has gone really well. We've had, especially with England having more camps lately, um, and even Scotland, we have quite a few Scotland girls over here as well. We have girls coming, we're having girls coming in and out for those autumn series. And uh, so it's been a different experience, but we've had a lot of girls able to step up and um, get a bit more playing time. And we've had girls that have really taken charge that sometimes wouldn't when you have a more experienced player that uh, often plays in that position. So it has been as a team, a big building experience these last couple games. And us going in, we have three big bit three big games to finish off this first half, which is really exciting, but it has been just each game you have to look back and we look at those little things that didn't work out and we want to fix those and clean them up for the next game. And I think we have been slowly, each game has improved a little bit, um, but also each game shows uh, the gaps as well. So it is just a slow picking away at those little things and hopefully by the uh second half of the season and into those our finals we'll be able to have cleaned all of that up and be at our peak performance it's good to see you back on back on the park anyway i know they certainly <laughs> certainly missed you against uh against rachel's mob um you you mentioned that the the little block now um saracens near christmas exeter uh, we're moving backwards uh and wasps wasps this weekend what are you expecting from uh from wasps what you've seen from them so far Wasps, I think, have had a great first part of the season. Um, I'm really excited to uh, see what we can do against them. Um, they have their backs, especially, I think, have performed incredibly well these last couple of games. And I think um, us as a team, it's it's definitely you have to be ready to go and um, ready to just get in there. And it's going to be a physical game. Uh, we have. Even with the forwards' um, lack of scrums, which is heartbreaking to me, but that's okay. Um, the few we get, like, you have to be on point with um, being ready to get the advantage where you can and drive forward. The Wasps have pulled out some pretty impressive uh, finishes with, um, oh, was it series that they came back? Was it, I feel like it was series they came back in the second half to. It was, um, yeah get pretty close to uh, uh, tying it up and such. So I think it's going to be definitely a 70-minute game. There's You're going to have to push through all the way to the end, and I think that's where um, 
I think any team can struggle is you have the first half you get through and you think you're doing so well, but that second half comes around and then you need to still be pushing forward. You still need to be going for it. So I think Wasp will be um, a challenging game, but I think it will be exciting if we're all on point and, re- and ready to go. Uh, I noticed Moana Talik started at eight at the weekend. How did she go? Um, she did really well. Uh, Moana is an amazing athlete, especially for her age. She's a powerhouse and you never see she's dedicated to everyone run she goes on like you could be sending into her into the biggest uh players on the field and she's gonna do it with all the power she's got so no she she played well over the weekend and um just as a uh teammate like i really respect her and i sort of wish i was more like her at her age a little bit i'm not that far off but just being able to do what she does at 19 years old She's definitely an up-and-coming star, I think, especially on the England international team. Really, really uh, enjoyed speaking to you this morning and hear about uh, Canada and the, the challenges. And um, yes, we will look on, well, certainly I will look on with uh, with great interest as to how Loughborough, my, my dark horses, um, are going to go for the rest of the season. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us this morning and have a very Merry Christmas. Well, thank you so much for having me and Merry Christmas to you guys as well. I'm Stacey Flula, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. As we're discussing with Delika, Loughborough Lightning 57-3 over DMP. Uh, Malcolm Jones, Davis, whereas Roland and Field, Woozy with 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 tries. Moana Tallinger eight is a is an interesting one. Yeah, I guess it's just showing her diversity to play back row as well as second row, which is. You know, obviously Sarah Hunter's still injured, um, but it certainly gives Simon Middleton and, and the coaching team a, another option there for for the youngster. Doesn't need any more options in the back row. My goodness, there's, <laughs> there's plenty to choose from. And I, I said it in commentary at the, at the weekend uh, with, with Cat Merchant, that's far more competitive from DMP. You know, Loughborough Lightning are, are a team didn't really turn up for sort of 55 minutes against yourselves, but you know, they are very, very firmly third in the table and that's DMP. Yeah, that that's 57-3 on the face of it. it is a big score. But yeah, let's take you back to you know, only a, a few rounds and it was 103 nil. Yeah, no, it, I think it's, it's showing that they're developing it. They've got on the board for one. They've taken an opportunity and got three points. But yeah, knowing how tough Loughborough are as a side and the quality that they have, you probably would have expected, you know, we had Emily Scout on last week saying cricket whites, are we going to be seeing that? And, you know, I think their ambition and their target was to to push the, the scoreline, obviously ourselves, Harlequins and Wasp put over 100 points on them and, and would have hoped to have done the same thing because those points do matter come the, you know, the end of the season. So impressive that DMP, I know, a lot of people will look at that. But Fifty-seven. What you're saying? That's impressive. It is for for a team who who's been struggling so far, and to keep a quality side like that, Loughborough under sixty points is impressive. I couldn't agree with you more. And we, we we've got we've got to remember these are three year programs. You know, especially you know, DMP have kind of started again. Certainly, Sale and Exeter. Um, yeah, this is very much a, a three year program. So. We will judge come you know properly judge come come the end of those those three years. Well, speaking of Exeter, they went down uh, fourteen twenty four to to Was. Friend of the pod, Patricia Garcia went over for a little a little score, but at those Was backs again, McDonald's on the score 
score sheet. Ellie Kildun with a with a worldie of a, of a try. They are has some backline. Yeah, it is. They've got some X factor. I mean, Kildun scored a, a try that you know a, a bit of a kicker and you know put a hard chase in it, and she got a reward from it. So, but, but again, Exeter fourteen, Wash twenty four. It's a new side. That's a competitive side. And I think, you know, 10 points in it, that could have gone, you know, either way. And I think, you know, um, Susie Appleby would be really pleased to to push Wasps that close with the amount of quality that they have and, and the amount of time that Wasps have had together over Exeter. Yeah, Bristol, another loss for them. But, but again, certainly, I think a better showing. There's more, a great deal more physicality. To, to their play, uh, 36-10, they went down a home to Saras and Gregson with a couple of tries. So for Goody, uh, with her first score, probably clear with a couple, Packer, um, Joyce and, and Pam scored for for Bristol. Yes, that that's better, getting back on the horse slightly more, Bristol. Yeah, I think, you know, listening to Kim Oliver, she said that she wanted her team to be physical. Now, Saras is a known for being one of the physical teams in, in, the, in the Premiership. So, and I think, you know, they were a bit slow to start in and when you let Saracens get away from you, it's very hard to claw back. Um, but, you know, again, Bristol are missing a couple of people, but probably the result you expected to see Saracens win. Obvious tactic. I don't know if you you guys are the same. Actually, I go, I go back to uh, your game against Saracens last year, actually, when you pulled out, didn't you? Um, straight away, uh, the final before that, Saracens put away. Is, is, that a, is that a definite tactic? When you are the top two, you know, Saracen have done it a couple of weeks in a row now to to try and go completely and utterly straight out of the blocks as hard as you can, just to put sides away to say, Do you know what, you know, we are the top team. You're not coming here. It's just psychologically more than anything, getting a lead, and then it is, as you say, a very, very, it's a huge matter to climb. Um, I don't know if it's to make a statement that like we're the top of the league, but I think you know. You've only got 70 minutes and if you allow any side in this league to to get a lead or to get, you know, you can't afford to do that. So you have to get out of the blocks and you have to start well and you have to get on the board and and then you've got to keep your foot down. And I think that's the difference of the sides is, you know, there's a lot of teams that we've talked about. They're competitive first half. They're right in it, you know, a bit like our game at the weekend. Um, but then it's about being able to back that up and finish off the game. And I think that's where probably you know, a few teams are pulling away from other teams, like how they can finish the game. But I think I think every team has that intent to start really well and to apply the pressure because then, you know, that gives you the confidence to, to play what you how you want to play, um, that the prep's gone right, and then also just to keep that foot down that, you know, you're you're ahead so you can keep pushing it. Yeah, I, mean, I hope my question didn't come across that the teams deliberately start slowly, but I hope you know, I know. <laughs> what I meant. We heard uh, from Hannah there about uh, Sales win uh, 11-0, uh, Wallace with a score, Katie Daniel came with a couple of penalties. Let, let's look at it from the other side, from, from Worcester's side, uh, Joe Yap. That's that's four on the spin now, uh, losses. What's going on at the Worcester Warriors? I think they'd be really disappointed because their opening game, which was against Saracens, well, I know there wasn't an official winner last year, but, you know, kind of reigning champions, uh, they started so well and so promising. And I think, you know, there's been a lot of good talk coming out of Worcester Warriors, but we, we're yet to see it now be backed up on the pitch. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, it is a three-year programme. It is a new-look side. They've got some new, really good signings. But, yeah, I guess it's just not just not clicking for them. It's just not working. They're, they're not getting 
the rewards that they they would hope to be seeing right now. Yeah, two of those losses against against those new size Exeter and, and and then Sale, uh, and of course your game down at the uh, Alpas Arena, twenty two points to five. Plenty of beef there, wasn't there? There was a lot of beef, wasn't there? That's a lot um, of beef. Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, it is what it is, isn't it? If you well got a few Welshies, haven't they? <laughs> and they've got Lisa Burgess, who's probably one of the toughest players to play against and the most annoying player. So she's probably been rubbing off on some of her players and how to get under opposition skin. Um, but look, it was just like fiercely competitive, wasn't it? Everybody wanted to win every inch and every breakdown and win every penalty and every free kick. And, and that was good. It's good to play on the edge like that. Um, you know, I think the referee... Um, probably didn't enjoy it too much having both teams kind of go at it um, constantly. Um, but no, it was it was great competitive game. Half time, right in it, really close. Um, and yeah, just really proud at proud at how we came out second half and and I dominated the second half to be honest. Well, let's look ahead to to this weekend then. Uh, round seven, and I'd like some predictions from you, Berth as per normal, please. Saracens Exeter. Saracens. Wasps against Loughborough Lightning. Ooh. I'm going to say... Ooh. Very close mm. to each other in the table. What's that, third, third and fourth? Yeah. I'm going to say Loughborough. Loughborough away. Yeah. Yeah. DMP against Sale, which being streamed on the, uh, on the RFU sites and Alliance sites. I, I probably would have said this anyway, but especially after their win at the weekend, I'm going to back South Sharks to, to do the job on the other Sharks. Nice, yeah. They'll come with more bite. <laughs> oh, God, you're going to be saying these all game. <clears throat> yeah, the opening music is... Worcester against Gloucester Hartbury. Well, I think having played Gloucester at the weekend, they're, they're so competitive and I think you know, Worcester don't seem to be in, in a particularly good place at the moment, so I'm going to back Gloucester Heartbreak. And we must just say, people, you can go and watch that. Yay! You can go and watch Let's that. They're allowed 2,000 fans in, so please, if you've been missing your rugby and all the chat on social media is, oh, we're missing our live rugby, did it? well, do you know what? Do do your do your talking with your walking. Get down to Six Ways. Go and see some live rugby. Um, it'll be a, yes, a, a fiercely contested game uh, as we know. So yes, get yourself down to watch Worcester against Gloucester Hartbury live ruggers. Harlequins against Bristol. Because a couple of weeks ago you bet against. Oh, no, it was last week you bet against yourselves, wasn't it? <laughs> That's because I didn't realise we were playing away. I thought we were at home. Okay, you're at home. Yeah. You're at home this week. Yeah, we're really excited to be back at home. Obviously, but we we had a lot of frustrations um, against Gloucester Hartbury that we're going to want to put right this weekend. And I think if we can we can do that, then we'll be in a good place against Bristol. WRP fifty five drawing to a, a close berth. Little couple of little shout outs though, just to to round us off. Along with the other nations and other areas of the world, rugby's be back in Spain on the fifth of December. Spain will play a Spanish fifteen, Liga Iberdrola de Rugby. 
Yeah. Multilingual, mate. It's a bit like the Stars and Stripes that went on in the USA uh, and the Black Ferns against the New Zealand Barbarians just getting some rugby under their belts after all their autumn tests were cancelled. Yeah, and we must give a huge shout-out to Z Alama winning the Sunday Times Grassroots Sports Women of the Year for the, all the work that she's doing. Congratulations and keep up the great work. Yeah, big congratulations from uh, everyone at the W. RP to Z. And it's great down in Australia to see Charlotte Caslick back just six weeks after fracturing her spine. Bonkers. Anyway, she uh, she had a couple of games in the league, didn't she? But she's committed herself back to, to the Sevens programme, looking ahead to Tokyo 2021. So, yes, there's there's positive signs that obviously she's back in the fold going for a, a, another gold medal and yeah, possibly some positive signs that, that those Olympics are looking more and more hopeful uh, next year. And we must just say to everyone, awesome, 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 awesome. Community Rugby is back. Now, that's obviously the, the official RFU line. All your clubs will have their own guidelines and what have you. No doubt sorting, furiously sorting out in the next couple of days and what have you. But get yourselves out there. Get yourselves out in the fresh air. Go and play some rugby. Go and smash some tackle pads and then clean them. Um, but yeah, be be great to, to, to see... Full rugby fields across the land over the weekend. Can't wait to, to see it. I think, that, you know, huge respect to all the clubs who have done, gone above and beyond to get stuff going at their clubs, opening it, closing it. And now they have the opportunity to, to get back to what everybody's desperate to do, a little bit of competitive contact games, whatever that may look like. Um, I'm really excited to see the community game back. And do you know what? After your training, go and stop and have a hot chocolate. Go and have a a Guinness there's nothing better than a pint of Guinness at 11 o'clock in the morning go and have a burger or whatever support your club get the club feeling back on the track um, and yeah and celebrate the fact that, that rugby's here Christmas is around the corner it has been a, a slog hasn't it 2020 but yeah there's some really really good things going on and positivity just clawing its way back so um, yes enjoy the weekend everyone but that's it from us for another week. Another really, really enjoyable week. A huge, huge thank you to Sir Bill Beaumont for coming on the pod, to Hannah Field from Sale Sharks. Congratulations to them. And Dilly Kamenin as well from Loughborough Lightning and Canada. Who's on next week, Berth? Well, we do hope to have Lottie Clapp ahead of the big Saracens versus Harlequins top of the table clash. Um, next weekend and also we're going to be going across the pond to USA to speak to Alicia Washington great stuff well just as well it's on Zoom keep you two apart oh yeah yeah nice little bit of friendly chat before the game always good no that'd be that'd be great to to get the the feelings ahead of, of that one as ever peeps please if you don't already subscribe give us a rating pop a little review in there even if it's just a, a couple of words they they do make a, a big big difference when we're putting ourselves out to to commercial partners and stuff which is a is a bigger slog than 2020 itself surprisingly so but and of course we are as ever at pod women's rugby on instagram and on twitter we do have an email address as well should you want to get in contact with us like that women's rugby pod at gmail.com but that's it for another week. Enjoy the ruggers over the weekend watching. But get yourselves out there playing. Enjoy being back with the crew. And Merry Christmas. Until next time.